my homies. You ready to get spanked? Anytime you're ready. Gary Hoffman. You're a nice guy, but you're a lightweight, and I know for a fact that you pee sitting down. Shannon Farron. She's the most interesting woman in the world. Wait, I'm sorry, what is this show now? I will tell you, but only if you grab onto something to brace yourself, because you are going to hit the effing floor. <laughs> Gary and Shannon. Oh, yeah. Then, yeah, no, I get it. Gary and Shannon. Well, happy State of the Union Day, Don't nerds. Say that. Don't say that. How many times did we hear that so far on TV this morning? I don't Two watch television in the morning. It upsets me. Happy State of the Union Day. We have work to do today. We've got to uh, come up with our drinking game. I'm pretty sure. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Uh, that's why I'm here, man. So I'm here. I'm helping you out. Uh, I think probably superlatives. Any superlatives used? The best? The most? The worst, things like that, is good for a couple drinks. I actually think that those are going to be, those are going to be hard to come by today. Really? Well, I'm willing to make a wager on this with you, Hoff. Re- remember, well, we'd have to do an over under because sure because the the speech may be written by the president or edited by the president, but he doesn't do it by himself. He doesn't do no. it all by himself. And I think that there are people within the communications office that would that would. X out some of those superlatives, mm-hmm. even though they would want to try to make it sound like it was his wording, his language, etc. He uses those things usually when he goes off script. Right. And, I, and I said this yesterday. I think tonight's speech is going to be so on script that people are going to fall asleep. It's I gonna think be, he is going low key. Donald he, he, Trump. He's just coming out. He's just coming off of one of those teleprompter speeches where he did not go off uh, off script in, in Switzerland. I think he's dying to go off script a little bit. First State of the Union? I mean, I think we're going to get some of those lines where he says the best maybe three times in a row. The economy. I mean, folks, this is the best. The best, the best the economy has looked in a while. I mean, I think I might cash in with like three of those in one sentence. <laughs> I, let's, let's pick a number. Uh, I'll let's, think about that. If you want to help us out, figure those out. That'd be great. If you want to help us uh, with some drinking game things for tonight's State of the Union, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Next hour, we're going to be getting into the uh, experiment up in Stockton in basic, in universal basic income, giving Give everybody 500 bucks just for being in Stockton, which you should apologize for anyway. So 500 bucks would go a long way towards that. But for everyone. It's been done before in other areas, and we'll tell you how that played out, as well as what the program is going to be in Stockton. Uh, we got an OJ story coming up. We got, the, like you said, the update, the 2018 update. Yes, this is 2018. Fred Goldman, OJ Simpson. And then in the uh, in the 130 segment, Neil Savage is going to join us, getting ready for your uh, Super Bowl fest and feast at the same time. But first, all the talk on Capitol Hill today is all over this secret memo. Shh. Well, it's not so secret anymore oh. because it looks like the committee has voted to declassify the memo, the House Select Intelligence Committee, and we could soon get a look at it. Now, this memo reportedly 
alleges that senior FBI people relied on questionable sources to justify spying on President Trump's campaign, specifically the dossier that was completed for the DNC and Hillary Clinton's campaign. The argument is, is that the FBI and the Justice Department got information from this shady dossier to use as probable cause for a warrant to look into the campaign run by President Trump. And that's shaky evidence. Basically what this is, if this memo is right, this four-page memo, it shows that the FBI completely abused its power and as a result has undermined any investigation into collusion between the Russians Russians and uh, the Trump campaign. That this would be a proof of rampant misuse of FISA laws, foreign invest, uh, intelligence gathering laws. But it doesn't. Here's the thing. This was written specifically by Republicans. The Democrats on the House Intelligence Committee have also drafted their version of a memo that they say fills in the blanks, that the Republican version is just cherry picking some information, is just talking points, and that they don't even have to go through the president, although the president is the one who has to approve it we're not sure is it just a sign off is it a stamp is it a thumbs up is it a verbal approval we don't know um that that you don't have to go through that that that's just theater you could have a member of the the intelligence committee or a member of any committee or the senate even read this thing on the floor of the house or the senate it becomes declassified automatically do you think that the public should be able to pour through how the fbi gets probable cause information how the Justice Department works, the inner workings, the X's and O's, as it were, for these kind of investigations. Well, uh, the president has five days after the vote yesterday to block the release for national security reasons. Will he pick that? Or will he pick, oh, look at how shady they are in the FBI going after me. What's more important for to him? him? Security reasons, national security reasons, or... Him saying, na 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 look at you. You were shady when you tried to go after me. Uh, the FBI director, the current FBI director, Christopher Wray, did review the memo over the weekend and hasn't said anything publicly about its contents. Obviously, he's doing his due diligence to make sure that his department is ready for any fallout from this if, in fact, it's released. Trey Gowdy, the congressman from South Carolina, was with him when he reviewed the memo And he said it didn't raise any national security concerns with him and that Trey Gowdy said that this memo, in fact, doesn't reveal any intelligence methods, although it does reveal the the identity of one of the sources that was used. One source, if it's in a big I don't know who it is or what it would be or why it would be so important. But Trey Gowdy does acknowledge there is at least some classified information that would be declassified if, in fact, this came out. But Christopher Ray, Christopher Ray apparently told Adam Schiff, the ranking member for the Democrats on the committee, that when he looked at it, he wasn't satisfied that he still has concerns about releasing the memo. There's not going to be a smoking gun in this memo that says, absolutely, this is what the FBI used to to open up. The investigation, this right. dossier. Now, remember the dossier, by the way, the big highlight coming out of that was that the president was in Russia urinating on, on strippers or something like that. Allegedly. And that was the sexiest bombshell out of that right. dossier. Everything else was all the weird but financial connections and tangential, you know, 
uh, dealings between people. Carter, okay, the Carter Page thing, this is the significant part of it. So in that memo, in the dossier, it was suggesting that Carter Page may have had business dealings with the Russians that were impacting his ability to be, well, for one thing, American. Well, here's the thing. Carter Page was an investment banker in Russia for a time in right. Moscow. So the question is, was Carter Page, did this was raise— Was he still involved financially? Well, did it rise to the level of the Department of Justice at the time? And again, this was during the campaign. Did this rise to the level of the Department of Justice investigating Carter Page as a potential uh, agent of Russia? Right. And the answer is yes, during the Obama administration. Cut forward to January 20th, 2016, the intelligence gathering on Carter Page was continued by Rod Rosenstein, Steen, whatever his name is, by Rod, who was appointed by President Trump. So they also believed that there was enough on Carter Page to still try to figure out whether or not he was an agent of the Russian government under the Trump administration's Department of Justice. Is that enough for a warrant to investigate the Trump campaign, I guess, is the question. And I don't think you're going to get an answer from this memo one way or another. No, you're not. I I think people just like talking about the possibility that the FBI just used that dossier that was written up by the DNC or commissioned by the DNC. Right. And it's a four page memo from Republicans. If there's enough alternative alternative evidence that's not the right word if there's also enough evidence for the democrats to put together their own memo it's clear that the truth is going to lie somewhere between exactly all right coming up next we'll dig into the state of the union what we expect to hear will it be the best state of the union address ever the biggest the brightest we'll find out how about this one louisa says uh, he's going to take a shot every time the president says the wall and an extra shot for Mexico will pay for it. I would specifically add it's got to be a cheap tequila. I don't think he is going to say Mexico will pay for it nope. tonight. I, I think you're too. done hearing those words. But I do think the wall is an excellent choice to make it into the drinking game. Gary and Shannon will continue. We'll give away a thousand bucks when we return. Care is getting a big lift. Amazon, J.P. Morgan, Berkshire Hathaway say they're going to create a new healthcare company. We'll talk about that. Yeah, the the catch is you've got to work for Amazon, J.P. Morgan, or Berkshire. Oh, you know, everybody they don't really will care eventually. About you? Well, right? that's a solid point. How hey. about this? I got a thousand bucks. It's got your name on it. Thank you. Not your name. Your name. shot at one thousand dollars now. Text the keyword cash to 200, 200 You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and messaging rates apply. That's cash to 200, 200 The headline in the Associated Press is Trump puts Twitter aside as he prepares for I, big speech. I looked at that. He's only tweeted once since Sunday morning. Oh, my goodness. What is going on with How the many Big Macs have been involved with the prep? Uh, the president shall from time to time give to the Congress information of the State of the Union and recommend to their consideration such measures as he shall judge necessary and expedient. P.S. I'm not judging. Uh, I think Big Macs are key to preparation of a, a speech of this magnitude. And I know point. that he likes McDonald's. 
Excellent. And now we all want a Big Mac. Well, because of Article 2, Section 3 of the Constitution, the president gives his State of the Union address. And the last couple of decades, it's been the last Tuesday-ish of January before a joint session of Congress. And tonight, the president is going to deliver his first State of the Union address from the Capitol. There are a couple things you can absolutely expect. One of them, I believe, his use of superlatives. Because he's very excited about what he's been able to do when he's in office. And he's also very excited about the economy. You're going to see a, a lot or hear a lot, I guess I should say, about the economy, about the stock market, about the tax overhaul and all those businesses that is, that seem to be at least a little bit uh, passing along the savings to some of their employees. You know, we talked about Home Depot giving $1,000 bonuses to people who've worked there for 20-plus years last week. There's a lot of companies doing that. It seems to me like it's a PR bump for them. Look at us. We're giving back to our employees when it really doesn't cost them that much to do so. Uh, $1,000 bonuses here and there one time doesn't mean the, the trickle-down theory is going to help in the future. It's an interesting um, – I think that itself would make it for an interesting study, what sort of an impact these one-time bonuses like that would have in smaller communities. I mean, one of the people that's going to be there as a guest of the president tonight is a guy who has said he wants to uh, use his bonus that he's getting from his welding shop or something, ARS metal fab shop, a, a chance to have an actual down payment on a house, which he's never done before. And what that's going to mean to the to people who – don't see a thousand dollar bonuses all the time. It's just one of those things that it's, it's like you said, it's a great PR move for these large companies to do, and it's unclear what sort of an impact those things have. And there's a place where a thousand dollars will get you a down payment for a house. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Um, the uh, the side notes about all of what we're seeing tonight will be the people who choose not to attend. Democrats uh, John Lewis, Maxine Waters, Frederica Wilson, uh, Pramila Jayapal, Earl Blumenauer of Oregon, Gregory Meeks, Danny Davis. I mean, there's several of them who have said that they're not going to watch. They're not going to sit in the in their in the house tonight to watch. That's a dumb move. I've I've hated that move from the beginning. You take yourself out of a conversation like that. You have no. You have no grounds to come back to the table after you take yourself out of a negotiation. And that's what this is. This whole thing is. Um, Gavin Newsom will be there. He tweeted a picture of his ticket, which, yes, was misspelled. State of the Union. Union was misspelled. Instead of ending union with an N, they ended it with an M. Tickets are being reprinted, but Gavin Newsom took a picture of it, posted it on Twitter saying... You know, this about sums up my feelings for all of it or something of that nature. Even though the White House had nothing to do with the printing of the tickets for the State of the Union. Well, it's just an easy you, thing to... Uh, yes, low-hanging yeah. fruit. Come on. Um, Joe Kennedy the third is going to be delivering the State of the Union rebuttal tonight. Now, now, now. Let's pull over the car. He's a Kennedy. He's 37. He looks like... He looks like a Kennedy. A Kennedy. <laughs> He's a congressman, grandson of of Bobby Kennedy. This might be the future of the Democratic Party. Well, I think look at that face. I know the the, he looks like his dad or sorry, his grandfather. I guess Robert Kennedy was his grandfather. Um, The rebuttal to the State of the Union can be a launching pad. And it has in the past been a launching pad 
But at other times, it's also been, I mean, a mistake. Remember Marco Rubio and his water thing? Yeah, I don't know. Awkward. I think I'm feeling something. Former Peace Corps volunteer, assistant DA in two districts in Massachusetts before being elected to Congress. He's focused on economic and social justice in Congress, advocated on behalf of vocational schools, community colleges, Champions issues like the left likes, transgender rights, marriage equality. Probably went to Catholic school like you did. I don't know. Just, I see a love connection there. No, no, no. Not oh, a love okay. connection. Yeah. I'm just saying. I'm like you were this... getting a little hot right over there. No. Yeah. No. Uh, but I do think that the Democrats need some youth breathed into that party. And the 37-year-old somebody... guy with that name is probably the exactly. guy. Somebody to get a little buzz. There you go. We'll continue. There's more on the State of the Union stuff, including top of the hour, the California people we'll see there uh, at the State of the Union address tonight. And it's at 6 o'clock. You can hear it here on KFI. Gary and Shannon will continue. Massachusetts sent us a message saying, Joe Kennedy III is dumb as a box of rocks. My drinking game has already started. Every time someone says something good about Joe, I'm having a shot of rum. (laughs) Well, that's the other part about that. I didn't know there was a Joe Kennedy until yesterday. Uh, Joe Kennedy III. I'm just going to throw this out there. If your name's Joe Kennedy III and you're Robert Kennedy's uh, grandson, do you have to be smarter than a box of rocks to run? No, no, it's kind of a shoe in You're guaranteed like 40% just on the name alone. <laughs> exactly. Uh, we uh, will cover more of the State of the Union address that's coming up tonight. Starts right at 6 o'clock our time, and you'll hear it live here on KFI. Also more about the, uh, the discussion over the release of the memo and that hashtag release the memo that's been trending. What it is, the memo is, what we're talking about. We'll do more of that when we get to Swamp Watch. Jeff Bezos, Warren Buffett, and the nation's largest bank, J.P. Morgan Chase, looking to get into the health insurance game. They have unveiled, I guess, a company that doesn't have a name yet, uh, to provide their workers and families with health care. I think it's called J.P. Amazathaway Healthcare. That's pretty good. Thank you. JP Amazon. You give yourself a gold star for that over there. They have a year. I'm sorry. As of a year ago, the companies together have about 840,000 global employees. This would be a product, by the way, for their own employees and family members, not something that they'd be selling on the larger marketplace. So far. But but look, anything that Jeff Bezos touches, mm-hmm. I mean, Warren Buffett and Jamie Dimon in their own right ha- have been groundbreaking. They're all right. Industries. They do okay. They're fine. They're, they're all right. <laughs> uh, but anything that Jeff Bezos touches has an opportunity, uh, has a chance to be changed dramatically. Well, and Wall Street is paying attention to this. Uh Healthcare stocks sunk uh, on this news. I just checked. United Health is down four percent. Anthem is down five percent. Cigna is down six percent right now. Because when you think about Amazon getting into a marketplace, <laughs> takes it over, yeah. right? It's taken it over. You can thank Amazon for all of those stores shutting down, for better or for worse. But that's that's terrifying. If you are a Cigna or you are an Anthem or something like that, to know that, oh, boy, we're going to have this to compete with. Because you've got to imagine that right now they're saying, yeah, it's only for our own workers to see how it works, right? 
to see how they can tweak it and, and make it better and make it profitable right. and, and work for everybody. And then, of course, like you were, you know, insinuating, expand it. Once they clear, once they get it up and running, yes, they can expand it into different places. Warren Buffett said that the ballooning costs of health care act as a hungry tapeworm on the American economy. I'm pulling the car over. Yeah. We are not using tapeworm and as like Hitler, you know, uh, Hitler was like the uh, analogy du jour. <laughs> the key word. It, for What's a long time, it's... everyone would just throw a Hitler out. We're not, we're not doing tapeworm analogies. All right. Well, he did. I, you tell. Warren did he hear that. the story about the guy that had to pull the tapeworm out of his bottom? I'm sure that's why it was top of mind when he made the statement. Uh, he said, "We share the belief that putting our collective resources behind the country's best talent can, in time." Check the rise in health costs while concurrently enhancing patient satisfaction and outcomes. I, I mean, the one thing about it is if you can get a company large enough that they set up their own health insurance uh, system is probably the best way to put it without the the goal of making a profit on it. There's a chance that healthcare costs can be brought down. The insurance issue is is also covered. I guess you want to call it that Warren Buffett and Berkshire Hathaway. They own Geico, so they've been in the insurance market, just not specifically the health insurance market. So this is uh, this is not something out of the realm of their purview. Uh, they know exactly what to do. They just got to do it, and it's going to take some time, they said, uh, and they know, to get this thing figured out. So coming up next, I'm excited for it. I think it's a good idea. The Super Bowl isn't the only Super Bowl happening. What? This week. What's going on? The Super Bowl of Moons, Gary. I'll break it down for you. Yeah. NASA style. I'm going to file can... right now for my JP Amazama Hathaway uh, healthcare insurance card. The Super Bowl of Moons when we come back. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640. Six forty. Did you hear what went wrong in Hawaii when that missile alert text went out to everybody, telling them that an attack was imminent? It wasn't as simple as a guy just picking his nose and hitting the wrong uh, and hitting the wrong ah and hitting the wrong button on his computer, like I just did. It's not that simple. No, this was a complete failure on multiple levels of this office, and it's terrifying. You know, it's like, I, I, I say it from time to time, there's there's bad uh, radio hosts, there are bad uh, fast food workers, there are bad dentists, which is scary. Even scarier, bad air traffic controllers. Someone had to graduate at the bottom of the class, right? There are also bad people, in that are, or not bad people, but... Not Mensa members that are in charge of putting out alerts that say uh, the end of the world is, is, is coming upon us. Yeah, well, well, 1982 was a good year. Why? Well, the 49ers won the Super Bowl that year. Right. And that was the last time. Is that the, when they played the Bengals? Yes, sir. Got it. That was the last time that we got the treat that we will be treated to tomorrow morning at 4.51 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. What is it going to be? What? What's going on? Well, we're not only going to see a blue moon. Oh, blue moon. 
yeah, which is, of course, the second full moon in a month. Everybody knows that. Uh, but also a super moon. Right? And we all know what a super moon is. It's when it's very close to us, so it appears bigger. Have a cape on? No. Don't be ridiculous. Uh, we're also going to get a total lunar eclipse. What? Of course, the moon bathed in the Earth's shadow. Hold on, hold on. A blue moon. Mm-hmm. A super moon. You bet your bottom. And a total lunar eclipse all at once? Yahtzee. All of the moon things. All of the moon things. That is correct. Feeling all of the moon feels. What if there was a harvest moon, blue moon, super moon, total lunar eclipse? Can that happen? No. This is the last time, 1982, that we saw all of these three rolled into one. The next one won't occur till 2037. Oh, we'll be long gone by then. Oh, yeah. Albeit uh, Shady Pines. On my third they will gin never. gimlet. No, you'll be kicked out of Shady Pines by 2037. Troublemaker. Maybe on, I'm onto my third Shady Pines. By the way, we um, we we here in the western half of the United States and Canada are the lucky ones. 4.51 a.m. is the prime viewing time. So set your alarm clock. Just get out of bed for a couple minutes. Go outside. Take it all in. Look at the moon. Feel the moon feels. And then go back to bed. Yeah. I have a question. Yes, sir. If you're doing the drinking game tonight during the State of the Union, are you going to wake up for a 4.50 alarm clock? Sure. <laughs> what time does the state of... It starts at 6. 6. Your drinking Probably will be, be done by, by 8. 7, 7.15. Yeah. And you're just going to keep going until 8? Well, I you've got to stay up for the, for the post game. Yeah, but you got to watch yeah, Joe Kennedy the Third, Mister Box of Rocks. Oh, that's right. And you got to watch the cable news people faint all over themselves. Oh, and don't forget the Mark Ruffalo Hollywood State of the Union mm. rebuttal. Oh, I can't wait for that. Said yes. no one. Hey, can we listen to more Sinatra music today? If you want? I'm kind of digging the vibe. Blue moon, now I'm no longer alone. You know who doesn't like Sinatra? Who? My wife kind of gets annoyed by it. By the man or the music? The music. Really? I try to listen all the time. She's like, is this Frank Sinatra? I love Frank Sinatra. I agree. Do you think she just doesn't like Frank Sinatra because she doesn't want you to turn into your parents? My parents are not Sinatra people either. I mean, they would listen to it, but it's not like, oh my gosh, I have all of Frankie's good works. Okay, let me rephrase the question. Do you think she doesn't like Frank Sinatra because she doesn't want you to turn into an old man? No, because she there's plenty of artists that were contemporaries of Sinatra that she would enjoy, that mm. she would like. Mm. I love Frank Sinatra. Have you been to the Frank Sinatra pizza parlor? No. A Frank Sinatra themed pizza parlor? Where is this? Uh, I'll find the address for you and I'll tell you about I it. I did contemplate a trip to Hoboken when I was in New York to do like a little Frank Sinatra walkabout, but it was hailing uh, and I was sick. And most of the places that he would frequent in Hoboken aren't there anymore. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, it's uh, Casa de Pizza over on San Fernando Road. They have a Sinatra How come we road. never go there? I did because you don't. We drive never go that places. Way. True. <laughs> uh, it is a beautiful, wonderful, incredible Italian That's place in San Fernando. Uh, the address specifically is where did it go? Uh, Granada Hills. Oh yeah, that's Texas. far. That's over very by the far. Uh, over by the DMV. That's like Idaho for me. That's too far to drive. In other words, that's why we don't go. All right, I'm coming back.
A little bit more on the State of the Union, including the Californians who are going to be featured in the gallery tonight, sitting next to the First Lady. By the way, she hasn't made an appearance in the last few weeks. She's pissed off. She's She's very upset. Remember, she dashed off to Mar-a-Lago when that porn star came out and was talking Trump tales? Yep. Yep. Also, Chris Christie got a new job. We'll talk about that in the 12 o'clock hour. All coming up on Gary and Shannon. I told you, the filter is gone today. Why? It's a Tuesday. What? What about Tuesday? Says be a D. I don't know, but. It happened. But you're swinging for the fences today, I'll tell you what. Good Lord. All right. It's uh, Tuesday, January 30th, the day of the State of the Union Address. A little bit later tonight, 6 o'clock p.m. our time. You'll hear it here live. And then, of course, all of the post game with Conway a little bit later on. Um, one of the things that the president has been doing, um, whatever president it might be since Reagan, is acknowledging people in the gallery who are brought in to, lately it's been highlight some sort of a policy win or some sort of issue that the president has taken to heart, whatever it is. This has been going on forever, though. I mean, as long as I can rem- remember State of the Union speeches and politicians. Right. Because we remember from, from Reagan on, probably. Right, and they, there's always a little anecdotal story, and sometimes they screw up, right? Sometimes people are planted we saw this with Ken Bone, right? That guy with the red sweater was cl- clearly planted by someone in one of the debates to ask a question. And then sometimes we find out that their story's bogus or that they're like into borderline child porn, which I think was the case in Ken Bone's situation. Uh, yeah, wasn't he into some some weird stuff online? <laughs> so Ken Bone, I haven't anyway, heard, I haven't heard always, that name in a long time. It so. always kind of rubs me the wrong way and seems overly politicized when, when politicians pe- plant people. When they're used as props. Yeah, like and this. it's like, look, I care about Joe Blow. Well, there there are some people who are going to be in the gallery tonight who are legitimately worthy of recognition. Absolutely. It just seems disingenuous to me sometimes. Well, and it's definitely it, when, when it has to do with the pushing of a political issue one way or the other, right. it can be. I right. mean, there's a guy there's a guy who is going to be honored tonight who uh, had both legs blown off a marine who had both legs blown off and was blinded by an IED he was the first blind double amputee to re-enlist with the marine corps all right i mean a guy like that absolutely should be acknowledged um and the guy i mean the reason that this started was a guy named Lenny Skutnik back in 1982 i think it was 1982 again the last time we had the blue moon, super moon eclipse? That's how it works. Oh, my gosh. Uh, Air Florida Flight 90 dropped into the Potomac River. Remember January 13th, 1982, just a couple of weeks before the State of the Union address? Lenny Skutnik was one of uh, a group of, of just civilians, basically, who jumped into what was then the freezing swamp of the Potomac River and were pulling people out. He was one guy. Uh, who did this, and he happened to be working, I think, for the Congressional Budget Office or something like that, former employee. So his was the first acknowledgement in a State of the Union, this is a man that we should, you know, this is an American who we should applaud for his heroism. It has gone to different 
uh, you know, it's it's morphed from simply applauding heroes, which there will be some, to this is a person who either exemplifies my political passion of tax cuts or immigration reform or whatever to, the, you know, you're using them as a prop to get your message across. And even if that is the case, and it is in many cases that they are used as props, I still like hearing the stories. You know, I like the story of 12-year-old Preston Sharp, who will be one of the Californians honored. 12-year-old Preston Sharp is pretty damn cool. Been placing flowers and American flags on the graves of veterans for a couple of years. Part of the Flags and Flowers Challenge. Inspiration came from visiting Grandpa's grave in Reading on Veterans Day that year. His grandfather served in the Navy. He had decorations. But little Preston there noticed that many veterans, their graves had nothing. So he enlisted mom to help him decorate every grave. Thousands of graves have been marked with flags and flowers because of this kid. He said, I knew I wanted to do something because if it wasn't for them fighting for us, then we wouldn't be here. Yeah, I love that. You're right. I think that these stories are are stories that would normally go uh, unsung and that the president, whoever the president might be, would acknowledge these acts, uh, I, I think is very important. Um, David Dahlberg is another guy. Um, David Dahlberg works for Santa Barbara County Fire. And during the Whittier Fire last year, he was able to save 62 kids and counselors at the Circle V Ranch Camp. Um, Sheriff's deputies had made several attempts to get across a road past this fire as it was burning up near Santa Maria, but they couldn't get through. This guy, David Dahlberg, with tree branches and fire, uh, tree branches falling on the road and fire all around, he drives his truck through, rocks rolling off the side of the cliff, the branches falling onto the truck. The instructions were to keep everyone safe and wait until the sheriff's deputies and a search and rescue team arrive. And authorities wait for the fire to settle down before the vehicles get there. A bulldozer is able to plow a path into the camp with six sheriff's deputies and a search and rescue vehicle behind it. And all of the kids were placed in the vehicles as well as the personal cars of the counselors. And David Dahlberg is a guy who will be representing the state of California and the very brave men and women who make up our firefighting teams and first responder teams. And he'll be there to be honored as a as a member of one of those great teams where so often these men and women go above and beyond what they're expected to do. Or even in this case, he may have been expected to save them, but he wasn't expected to put himself in harm's way as dangerous as the conditions were to go out and save these people. But he did. So those are great. And I, I think like along with the uh, the members of the military who are going to be honored, this is a great opportunity for the president to show a human side. Has he met each one of these people? I would hope so. I hope so, too. Probably maybe before. I don't know. That's a good question. Well, there's a number of Californians who are not fans of the president that will be in attendance. Uh, Gavin Newsom, we told you earlier in the program, is going. Trying to get some uh, some recognition there because it's popular in California to hate on this president. The more hate, the better. And when you're running for governor, you want to first you want a uh, 
first row seat to that hate. Right. Uh, Kamala Harris will be there. She has a uh, and and each member of Congress, Senate and House, also has tickets that they can give away. I don't know if it's one, how many it is, but a lot of them are bringing their own oh, yeah. plot people uh, props, props, yeah, uh, to, to to try to represent their policies. Who would that your they are fighting people for. prop be to bring in here? In here, yeah, just to say like, oh, I'm bringing such and such to the show today to raise awareness for such and such. You can think about it. I would have to. I don't. I could come up with like a half a dozen right away, but it depends on which cause I'm trying to. Uh, am I doing a cause or am I just, hey, this is a really cool person and I like their story? It's a lot of questions. Damn. You got to go. You got it's a lot of work goes into figuring out who your people prop is going to be. If anybody wants to be my people prop, I you know what I would know bring in Gary and Shannon. I would bring in a, a, a inbred mountain lion. With, like with the eyes. hopes of you falling in love with the lion so we can get to work on building the bridge over the 101. His eyes are crossed and his tongue's hanging yeah, on the side of his mouth. because he couldn't get any uh, any lady lions outside the family. Lady lion. Well, uh, the ongoing attempt to clear out the Santa Ana Riverbed has led to a lawsuit because America. We'll talk about that when <laughs> well we come said. back. Gary and Shannon will continue. chance to win a thousand dollars you're shot at $1,000 now text the keyword luck to 200 200 you'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info standard data and messaging rates apply that's luck to 200 200 and answer the phone if you win they'll give you a call probably from a number that you don't recognize Make sure that you answer that phone because if you don't and you're the winner, well, then you're not the winner anymore. They'll move on to somebody else. Uh, a, a, a quick update from uh, TMZ. If you remember Mark Saling, the guy who was Puck from the from the TV show Glee, he had been convicted of child pornography, pleaded guilty, I should say, to child porn possession back in December, and that he was due to be sentenced, I think, in March, probably between four and seven years, committed suicide. They found him today hanging in a park uh, overlooking a Little League field. Ew. It's very sad. We'll do more of that at the top of the hour. I guess now's not the time to talk about Twitter Tuesday. Why not? Well. He had nothing to do with it. He wasn't following us on Twitter or anything. That's true. It's Twitter Tuesday. It is? Yeah. What happens on Twitter Tuesday? Excellent question. You follow us at yeah. Gary and Shannon on yeah. Twitter. Yeah. We follow you back. How cool is that? We that retweet cool. your crap all day. Okay. I'm going to leave that up to you. You have better judgment than I do about mm. what to retweet. <laughs> no? Uh, a week ago, Orange County Sheriff's deputies, along with several different uh, community organizations, started going through the Santa Ana Riverbed and very lightly encouraging people to take a step in the right direction. In fact, the deputies that have been going through have been saying, we're encouraging you to leave. We're not going to arrest you or cite you today, but that unfortunately could be coming. This is the second week, the beginning of the second week of trying to clear out the homeless encampments along this three-mile stretch of the Santa Ana River Trail. But 
Yesterday, the Elder Law and Disability Rights Center in Santa Ana went to court. They asked a federal court to issue a temporary restraining order and allow these hundreds of people to stay in the riverbed until the county comes up with some sort of satisfactory alternative to them living in squalor and in potential uh, harm's way, depending on the rains. According to county officials and a, uh, a newsletter that went out from the Orange County Board of Supervisors chairman, more than 80 tons of debris have been scooped up. This is to, to document the progress the county has made, all right? More, more than 80 tons of debris. That's I, I don't know how you generate that much garbage. Anyway, uh, 500 needles collected. That's nice. And then here's the stat that pops out for me. Upwards of 18 individuals transitioned to the courtyard shelter in downtown Santa Ana. That's all you got? You just moved 18 people? That's it? Well, this has been a problem. This is not new. I think part of this is when you apply, I think the theory is that when you apply even a little bit of pressure, which last week consisted of sheriff's deputies just basically knocking on doors of tents, knocking on tent flaps, I guess. And saying, hey, uh, just so you know, this isn't going to be here in a couple of weeks. You need to find a place to go. Here are a few different options depending on which city you want to go to. Or you call family, friends, and you couch surf for a while. But you cannot be here. And I think that just by applying a little bit of pressure, it has forced a lot of these people to find places where they can go. Find them on their own. In those cases where there's 18 of them who have been transitioned to the courtyard shelter in downtown... It's that they didn't have any other place to go, and they were willing to put up with the rules that a shelter might impose, which would be, I don't know, a curfew, no guests, no pets. Maybe they're women. No drugs. Yeah. Stuff like that. Because a lot of these people simply don't want to give in to those rules and are unwilling to give up their, finger quotes here, their freedom of being homeless and abide by the rules. That so. – that, um... 80 tons of, of uh, waste or, or debris. Yeah. It's not all garbage. A lot of it weighs a lot. It's it's furniture that's stacked on top of each other. It's, oh, okay. Yeah, that makes it's, sense. it's some heavy pieces, too. I but, was out there last week. It's it's pretty bad out there. Now, the it, the interesting thing is a lot of these people know that they have to go. They are, they've basically given up the idea of, of a fight. I don't know how many of them are even aware of the federal lawsuit that has been filed, but... They simply say, for example, 26-year-old Aubrey Combo told the Orange County Register she's going to try to leave the encampment but has no idea where she's going to go. Others have said that they're just going to head back to the cities where they had been before. So, uh, And a lot of them are just giving up the possessions that they do have. There's a sign that says everything over there can go with a little sign with an arrow pointed to a pile of trash that uh, then the crews come through and dispose of. Stockton. It sits on the edge of a hell of a lot of wealth up there, neighboring Silicon Valley, San Francisco. But yet Stockton went bankrupt a handful of years ago. And many people close to the Stockton situation says that it seems like Stockton is a great example of a lot of issues we're facing as a country. Well, they've got a plan up there in Stockton to maybe improve life for people that are facing rising housing prices, wages going nowhere, loss of middle-class jobs, all of this. And they're handed out money, basically. 
We'll tell you all about it when we come back. Gary and Shannon will continue. Morgan Freeman, but you're right. That was was clearly Morgan Freeman. Sometimes you uh, you, just get, yeah, you get into Morgan Freeman's accent um, on stories that I don't want Morgan Freeman to be associated with. The uh, Scott Bayo story. The Scott Bayo story. The Rose McGowan recounting of the bubble bath story. The hot tub. It was whatever. Turned into a never mind. We told you last year about Stockton's idea to pay people not to commit crimes. Remember that? It was a pretty controversial program. It was going to give money to people who stayed out of trouble. Uh, Good job. You didn't commit a crime this year. Here's some cash for you. Well, Stockton Mayor Michael Tubbs is back with a new plan. Michael Tubbs, all of 27 years old, 27 years old, who ran on, I think, giving people free money. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense, right? It's like it's kind of like one of those things that you would hear at the um, high school auditorium when you're running for president or vice president, and you're like, free vending machines. And everyone's like, yes. Uh, well, that's what Michael Tubbs ran on, and it worked. And this is called a plan. Uh, uh, what is it called? Universal Basic Universal income. Basic UBI. Income. UBI. For one year, several dozen families in Stockton will get $500 a month, no strings attached. Interesting. There is the Economic Security Project, which has contributed more than $1 million to this initiative. Silicon Valley bigwigs who are concerned about income inequality and the future of society in general are also very interested in throwing their money behind programs like this one. Now, I part of it, what we have to talk about is what Stockton did in the first place to get into the position that they're in. Remember, it was six years ago that they declared bankruptcy. They threw money at stuff, knowing that Silicon Valley was right next door and the Bay Area was making a lot of money and California itself was uh, had plenty of money coming in 15, 20 years ago. They overspent on a bunch of stuff. And to use the mayor's own words, he says, we overspent on things like arenas and marinas and things of that sort to try and lure in tourism and dollars that way. The problem is they did nothing to the neighborhoods that surrounded those things. So they may have gotten a new conference center and a new arena and a new marina, but they didn't do anything to those neighborhoods around there to make them, uh, I guess, attractive to organizations, businesses, tourists. I don't know anybody who goes and plans a vacation to Stockton. But the assumption was that because those things were there, they draw in tourism dollars. All of that money in the local economy would then sort of trickle down into these different neighborhoods and revitalize that community. It didn't work. didn't happen. So now universal basic income may be the answer, according to Mayor Tubbs. He says the goal is to gather information on the economic and social impacts of giving people a basic income. They're going to track what people do with the money. And they're going to monitor how having a basic income affects things like socialist, uh, excuse me, self-esteem and identity. And one of the co-chairs of the Economic Security Project, remember, that's throwing a million dollars into this. One of the co-chairs says, what does it mean to say here is unconditional guaranteed income just based on you being a human being? 
Now, that's a beautiful thing to think about, isn't it? That just as a human being, you deserve a basic income. It's lovely. It's not real world. It's lovely, but it's not. Well, and it's also it ignores it ignores what it is that we are built to do. We being humans, we're we're built to do stuff. In a on a micro level, I mean, I get bored on a Saturday when I sit in front of the TV and do nothing all day. And it's not just me like I I like to be busy or anything like that. I think it's common. We talked before about idle hands or the devil's play thing. Like kids, teenagers, they need things to do or else they get themselves in trouble. And people need things to do. There have been many studies done with giving somebody $1,000 or having them work for that $1,000. And they're happier when they work for it. Now, and it's funny that he says that there would be no strings attached, but like you said, they would keep track of where this money goes. They would keep track of how these different families spend this money. And again, it's unconditional. You don't have to spend it on clothes or food or higher learning you or anything. You could save it. You, you could, could save spend it on, uh, on pot. I suppose. Mm-hmm. The, the, here's a theory. I mean, this universal basic income is not a new thing. Nixon tried it for a while in different communities – um, we know that uh, he that Mayor Tubbs first learned about basic income, he said, in college in reading about Dr. Martin Luther King, who was also a proponent of a universal basic income, believing that that racial and economic inequality were intertwined. There have been programs in Finland and Canada that have started these universal basic income programs to see how they work. But it's a it's a it's like a philosophical difference that. I think a lot of people can come down on one side or the other. The way the mayor puts this, Mayor Tubbs is, he he thinks it's his responsibility to do he what he could to figure out what's the best way to make sure, this is an important part right here, what's the best way to make sure that folks in our community have a real economic floor. That's what he said. He wants to make sure that nobody gets below at least $500 a month. That's that's in his mind. That's the way it works. The other end of that philosophy, the almost a 180-degree version of that is there is no limit to how much money you can make in the United States of America. There's no limit. And you can't have one and the other, basically, because – as you've seen, if you're going to make sure that no one falls below, you know, below a certain line, whatever it is, then you've got to take from the people who make that money. Here's the thing. Giving people $500 a month unconditionally for a year does not give them livelihood that's sustainable. What they needed to do and where, where they were trying to make inroads was bringing the marinas and arenas and all those things into this community, trying to give people good jobs, middle-class jobs, not Silicon Valley jobs, but people who have been in Stockton for a long time, trying to work and live and raise a family in Stockton can do so. Giving them $500 a month for a year doesn't sustain them no. long-term. No, and it doesn't, it doesn't change the... Uh, he's talking about having it change their attitudes about themselves, change their attitude, yeah. change their self-esteem. Yeah. And I, 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 we're, that's relying way too much on the power of an American dollar bill to, to instill self-esteem in someone. And you're right. I mean, I think we are built 
in in us is the want and need to do something and to feel valued and feel like you've contributed to society or somebody or anything or to a product. And if that's not there, you're not going to get that self-esteem that comes with that and, and a paycheck. And what if he puts a what if he puts a time limit on this? And he says 24 months of payments, $500 per family, whatever, you well, know, for these dozens year. of families. Okay, so one yeah. year. He does it for one year. Any fire that that person, the head of that household or members of that family had to go out and find a job, to pressure themselves, to come up with a new service that they can provide their neighbors for a small fee, whatever it is, that's gone. That pressure is gone. Well, to play devil's advocate, one could look at it as security. I know I'm going to get $500 a month for the entire year. So that makes me feel good about myself. I know how I know I'll be able to feed my family at least, right? So maybe I go out and I try something because you have the safety net of $500 a month. Okay. I mean, I'm just saying maybe that's the case for some people. Uh, but they've got to figure out a longer term situation for Stockton. One year a, a, a handful of families. Well, this is the thing is in the in the context of a 27-year-old mayor in the city of Stockton, he doesn't remember the town's heyday. I mean, I don't know anybody alive in Stockton who does remember the heyday of Stockton, but it was a port city. Think about that. It's a port city in the central part of the state. Incredibly important to the agricultural economy of California. Damn hot in the summer. And hot. It smells funny in the summer, too. I think everybody can point that out. But it's it's one of those places where it's going to expand and contract economically Mm -hmm. based on the, the world around it. Yes. And, and maybe this is just one of those contractions where Stockton's brighter days were behind it now. And it's just it's ch- it's going to change economically. I hope that this program works and that they find that these people that they're giving the money to do have greater self-esteem and greater opportunities and that it kind of parlays into something bigger and something sustainable. And then that's but, something that they can repeat in other cities. But and, to go back to what you said at the beginning, you can't legislate on hope and feelings and give out 500 bucks hoping that people feel better about themselves. It's just – I don't know if it's going to work. but We'll see. I agree with you. I would – I would be positively surprised if it did, and I would be optimistic that uh, that it could be repeated in other places. I just don't hold out hope. I'm not going to hold my breath. How's that? Well, we had record high temperatures yesterday, a couple degrees cooler today, but that's not really cool, is it? And newsflash, we're still in January. We've got little to no rain to show for the raining season so far. So drought is back. Drought Watch when we continue. Gary and Shannon will be back. Gary and Shannon, we are about halfway through the rainy season, can't you tell? We've got uh, February and March. Are we talking about drought stuff? Yeah. Oh. Water. You want water, you better go dunk your head in the horse trough. <laughs> water is for cowards. 
Water makes you weak. Water. Without it, there's nothing but dust and decay. But with water, there's life. I like that. Where'd you find that? It was back when we used to talk about droughts all the time. Where I used to play that. Old days. Old stuff. Well, we should have a a, dr- a new drought uh, fun thing every year. This is a mega drought. Like Jerry Brown, he seems fun. No. No. This is a mega drought. All right. We are in the midst of a heat wave where we saw record highs yesterday. Long Beach ninety one, UCLA eighty nine, Newport Beach eighty five. At 93 degrees, Lake Forest was the hottest spot in the United States yesterday. <laughs> it's it, not funny. That's no, not. this hot, dry, windy weather uh, was a real issue for us in December with all those fires. But since the end of last February, remember, we remember the day, uh, the last time it really rained. Uh, Los Angeles has seen just about 2.26 inches of rain. That's a problem. That's over 11 months. Yeah, it's yes, that is true. But remember, last year we had a record-breaking rainy season, and we saw some significant, um, outside of the dam breaking in Oroville, we saw some significant reservoirs filling up to well above their capacity, which was great. Yeah, but this year the snowpack is crap. True. Still, I, almost, what? I almost just said that the snowpack is S. <laughs> The Sierra Nevada snowpack, they say, is 70% below average. But at a place like Folsom, for example, one of the big reservoirs in the state, it's 116% of capacity right now. Or I should say 116% of its historical average. So it's well above where it usually is even during normal rainy seasons right now. Um, And again, the only exception that we have in terms of our reservoir system that's not at that point is at Oroville because of the spillway that went south. (laughs) <laughs> I'm not ready to start crying about the drought yet. Yeah, this is a big headline no. in the LA Times because they like to cry about everything and uh, and feign over themselves as soon as possible. But you know, we could have a couple rainy weeks coming up, right? That just dump. It just proves what we said last year, which was that the state needs to invest in water storage in yeah. some way, in some significant way. Well, and Jerry Brown happened. has a plan to do. No, that. he doesn't. He yes, has a plan he, to put a tunnel got into tunnels, water right. tunnels. One tunnel, not two. One tunnel. I, for one, highly enjoy the the heat. And uh, yesterday was fine. I got to sit there, work on my front door without my without the heater coming on. What's wrong with your front door? I had to change the, the locks. You're doing a lot of home improvement stuff. Did the deck get finished? Yes, the deck got finished. Whoa. Well, if you'd ever visit, you'd, you'd know. I would have shown it to you, but no, I'm busy. Sorry, I can't. Coming, and I are out of town. Coming up next. We're busy. We're watching a show. Everything everyone's talking about. We've got you covered here on Gary and Shannon. Gary and Shannon. I'll send it to you. Sorry. Just picking up some housekeeping stuff with Monica. 
Well, and, it's uh, been a while since I've seen you guys. I know. Uh, in the vein of housekeeping, yes. uh, Blake's going to cut his hair. Today? What? Blake. Not today. Not today. But he's no. made the decision, and I'm, we're happy I'm, with I'm this. I'm deep into contemplation. No, 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 no. No, because you're adding things to what I said. Decision has been made, Blake. You can make it, but I'm working. I'm getting. It's an emotional process. Oh. Wow. Somebody's service animal needs to come join him. Are you donating it? My hair is my service animal. That's the oh problem. I've got a story about a service animal. You do? As well as everything else everyone's oh, talking about. Excellent. Time for What's Happening. Well, first and foremost, we're learning more about that error out of Hawaii. The one where the guy mistakenly sent that you're all going to die text alert. This is not a drill. It looks like the night shift was leaving and the day shift was coming on. And the night shift supervisor decided to quiz the day shift people. Do a little a little uh, pop quiz, if you will, in the terms pop of quiz, FCC. Shot. And the day shift supervisor did not know that this night shift supervisor was going to quiz his or her people. So the day shift supervisor goes and gets a cup of coffee or something. He leaves. He or she leaves. Leaves his people. His uh, his employees, if you will. And this night shift supervisor decides to drill him on this huge drill that would be coming from Pacific Command. Without without really telling them. it's a, I think he said something like, I can't believe the missiles are coming. This is only a drill. And then genius worker hit the button and fled quickly. We'll do more of the Alex Stone has been covering the story as well. In the one o'clock hour, we're going to get into more about what this report actually says and maybe why it is. Now we know that this guy was not talking to the uh, the investigators about what exactly happened. It looks like there were several issues and it wasn't just an issue of pressing the wrong button, but they need to do a a real... uh, come to Jesus talk about how that place is run. Well, yeah. I was going to say, if it were a real thing, nobody would be complaining that the guy hit the button, right? I mean, I guess it worked. Bella Caroli was a name that was associated with USA Gymnastics I believe, late 70s, all throughout the 80s. Remember, he brought us Nadia Comaneci. Bella Caroli, and I forget his wife, uh, Martha. And uh, there were so many stories leading up to the Olympics. Marta. Marta. uh, About the Carolis and about their gymnastics factory. And everyone wanted to go and uh, work out for the Carolis. Well, listen to this. Governor in Texas today has ordered a criminal investigation to claims that that bad doctor, Larry Nasser abused some of his victims at the Caroli Ranch. USA Gymnastics actually cut ties with the Caroli Ranch, saying uh, this was after Simone Biles came out and said she dreaded the idea of going back there to return to train. There were some, she wasn't one of them, but there were some who said that they were abused at that ranch. So the... Uh, the governor has ordered this investigation into the Caroli Ranch there in Texas. Uh, I mentioned this just a little bit last hour. Mark Salling is dead of an apparent suicide. Mark Salling was the guy who played Puck Puckerman on Glee. And in 2015, I think an ex-girlfriend ratted him out to authorities that he had a bunch of child porn. And when she said that, 
she grossly misunderestimated how much he had. 25,000 images of kids engaging in sexual acts and and was using software to hide what he was doing. So he knew he was doing a bad thing. He was expected to get four to seven years in prison as part of a plea deal. He'd have to register as a sex offender of TMZ reports that he had cut his wrist back in August. Yeah, I guess his attorney said it wasn't a suicide attempt at the time, but they said they found his body today in Sunland near where he lived. Uh, He was hanged or he hanged himself from a tree. Uh, And I guess the address where he was found happens to be a Little League field near a uh, creek that feeds into the L.A. River. Yeah, odd that he would pick a Little League field. Gross. Yeah. I don't know if there's a connection. Yeah, I don't know. Um yeah, you wonder, huh? Yeah. All right. Anyway, um, if you thought that therapy animals on flights had gone too far, you hadn't heard this story. Because this is the too far police coming to get you. <laughs> a woman at Newark brought a peacock yeah. to join her on a United flight. Got to be a limit here. A peacock, for the love of God. Peacocks are not like sit-in-your-arms chihuahua size. Peacocks are big animals. They are angry, too. They're not the ideal emotional support animal. They only care about themselves. They only want attention for themselves, which is why they're peacocks. Where does their feather go? I mean... Goes down. No, no, I mean, when they sit in a chair... She bought a seat. She bought a ticket. This is lunacy. For her bird. I I call baloney on this. I think this is somebody just trying to make a mockery of the therapy animal world. Ah, service animal. I need my service animal! Mm. What would your service animal be? Have we determined any of this? Quick quick gas go around here, Blake, because I think this is an important subject. You have to, here's two things. Number one, it's got to be viable. Like, it can't be some, I won't even say that. I'll just say this. It's got to fit on an airplane. Does it have to be legal in all 50 states? No, just fit on an airplane. That's it. What would your service animal be? Blake Aloysius Stone. Mine's going to be a sugar glider because I think they're adorable. (laughs) That's a very nice thing, and I like where you're going with this, setting up the March Madness with the baby animals. Mm -hmm. Oscar, service animal. A a service snake, I think, would be good. The whole movie about why that's a bad idea. Cue Samuel L. Jackson. You said I could have whatever I want. want. Monday to Friday plane. Monica, what would your service animal be? I'm going to say a baby tiger. I like it. Okay, it's a baby. I like that. Yeah. I might want to change my baby tiger also. <laughs> I think a baby hedgehog, if it had a covering to where it wouldn't prick me with its little baby hedgehog spear-like skin. So like a baby but, hedgehog in a sweater? Yeah, baby hedgehog in a sweater that I could use as a weapon to prick other people. Oh, no way. Uh, no TSA would flag I needed to. How about this? You get a baby hedgehog and you put little tiny styrofoam balls on the tips of each one <laughs> yeah. of those things and then you could take a few of them off yes. and jam it in someone's face. Yes. Uh, what would yours be? Oh, you it's very clear. A baby sloth would be the oh, best way to go. Oh, winner, winner. But that. that's so dirty. Uh, they're their own ecosystem. Yes. Oh, yeah. Hedgehogs are clean. You just bathe them first. Uh, well, he wants a good. good. Gary wants a clean one. Yeah. Hedgehog, Not one from the wild. Hedgehogs at least lick themselves, I think. Uh, one of the local stories. <laughs> <laughs> Hedgehogs at least <laughs> lick themselves. All right. <clears throat> Would love to see what your dating profile says. Uh, the Clippers uh, say that they have traded. Well, they haven't. They don't say they have traded Blake Griffin to the Pistons for a bag of chips. Oh no no! What do you mean a bag of chips? 
Uh, Avery Bradley, Tobias Harris, I Boban Marjanovic, and a first-round pick and a second-round pick. I can't wait to see what was going on in that locker room. There Are you must saying be... it was a bad deal for the Clippers? That there, no, I think the Clippers need to do a complete reshuffling. Okay, yeah. Because I was like, he missed ninety nine games in the past four seasons. The dude can't keep any joints healthy. He wasn't going to work out for the Clippers. Uh, it, he he seemed to be the thing that uh, you know. He was the greatest thing, and perhaps right. the worst thing about the Clippers of the last several years. Crystallized. But you I had, you had to move him to 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 break through this this well, two round playoff situation. What were they called when they were in Buffalo? Were they the Braves in Buffalo? Back in the seventies. Uh, check Buffalo Braves. Then they moved to San Diego and became the Clippers, and then here to LA and became the Clippers. How many retired jersey numbers do they have of those three franchises? Yes, you with the hair zero exactly. They have zero. That Blake was a Griffin. total Fred Rogan accent you just <laughs> used. They have zero. <laughs> uh, I cannot wait to come to Friday when we talk movies because Black Panther has premiered here in Hollywood. Ooh. And the early reviews on this thing are astounding. So we'll talk about that. Uh, it is one of the trending stories. and You may have seen some of the uh, the clips and people's reactions to it. So we'll talk a lot more about that when we get into the movies on Friday. Carol has written to us on Twitter. No, Blake. Gary and Shannon are old and fussy duddies. Hashtag, hashtag love long hair. Hashtag oh, you're only hair. young once. Being that it's Tuesday. Yeah. And you once said it was Tinder Tuesday. Twitter. Oh, I see what you're saying. Go I on. mean, Blake, would you have to reshuffle your entire profile now? We'd have to. It would. The photo shoot would be oh, photo shoot. 100% shoot. necessary at this point. Yeah. By the way, I have an update when we come back. I got my weekly goop email. <laughs> oh, my God. I can't wait. It's titled at your cervix. <gasps> Shut the front door right <laughs> Gary now. and Shannon will continue. say that no filter tuesday rolls on gary and shannon on this tuesday january 30th i'll read to you just a couple things on my goop uh, email just a second in the meantime i got a thousand bucks for you to spend right here your shot at one thousand dollars now text the keyword bank to 200 200 you'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info standard data and messaging rates apply that's bank to 200 200 and if you win they will give you a call but you got to answer the phone because if you win and you don't answer the phone mm. well then you don't win they'll move mm. on to somebody else but we'll give away a thousand dollars tell you how you can win every hour up until 6 20 this evening on the Conway Show. Did we unveil the fact that you signed up for the Goop newsletter so I, that we would have constant entertainment? <laughs> I think so. I don't... Here's a problem. I don't understand what the subject line means. Read the it again. Li- okay, again, Goop is Gwyneth Paltrow's big thing over on the west side. Yeah. And I signed up for the Goop letter that comes out every week. I thought it was on Thursdays, but hey, it's like a I got a Christmas present early. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, the subject line was, at your cervix. Oh boy! Uh, and there's a. I bunch just want of... Gwyneth Paltrow to stay away from all of our cervix eye. Serv- services, services. Uh, 
there's a couple of different things in here. There's like little articles that you can do. There's one that says it's what's on the inside that counts. Get one, give one, fully stocked backpack to a kid in need. Can you imagine what's in a backpack from Goop for Go- a kid well, in need? Well, click on it. No, not gonna. Why don't you ever click on things? Because it's dangerous. You... Well, find the service the cervix stuff. Uh, there's one story about what your period is trying to tell you about your health. Oh, please read that one. Board certified <laughs> reproductive acupuncturist uh, Kristen Karchmer founder of Viv Wellness, believes that for most women, PMS is a critical tool in deciphering your overall health. And it doesn't have to come with every period or at all if you pay attention and learn to pull the right levers. What? That's what Do you want me to read more on that? Because there's more to that. I mean, there's a there's a link that, that will actually explain. Oh, there's a Q&A. Oh, my gosh. This what takes are the forever. Uh, what are some of the most persistent myths about periods? Hmm. Uh, her, her answer is the biggest myth of all PMS and cramping are normal, and there's nothing you can do about it. More than 80% of women report significant PMS and menstrual cramping, which makes those conditions incredibly common, but they are not normal. What's not normal? Cramps and PMS. I thought you just said that is normal. No, she says that's the biggest myth. Interesting. Every aspect of your menstrual cycle, the length, volume of blood, (laughs) basal temperature, PMS, and cramping can give you important information about your health and provide a valuable feedback mechanism to measure your progress in getting healthier. That's crap. Yep. You know what? what what's the other stuff? Um, so some of the other stuff from this email include um, late winter, uh, an OBGYN's guide to PMS. No. I think it's sort of that same long line. The sleepover secret that makes everyone happy. What is it? A wooden toothbrush that's yeah. disposable. Stop oh, it. How much okay. is it? How much, How is, much it? is it? Probably like uh, four thousand dollars. That is a great question. It's a it's a bamboo based uh, toothbrush that is uh, for a case of twelve. <laughs> a case of twelve, ninety six dollars. Oh, wow! Oh my for a gosh. disposable. Use once toothbrush. And this is so when you have a guest over yeah. and they don't have one. Right. You can just use them and throw it away. And the way that they write it up is uh, no matter who's sleeping over, whether it's a buzzing collection of nine-year-olds, a parent-in-law on an extended stay, or a Tinder operative who seems less hookup culture dedicated than the rest. <laughs> yeah, you're going to give you're gonna give a kid an $8 toothbrush. Right. You, you can buy 12 regular toothbrushes, Colgate yes. style, yeah, right. for less than that. Yeah, bucks. or you could rob your dentist's office. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we you learned can, something about wow. Shannon. You can get one of them for eight boxes, bucks or the them. or the twelve, uh, the twelve bucks. So anyway, there, there's a bunch of clothes that they're they talk about they're wearing right now. Clothes you should wear with your period. A a, a ruched <laughs> is that a name of a R U C H E D? Is that a brand name? I don't Ruched. I'm not the one to ask. Boxy tank for a hundred and ten dollars. Uh, Trillion diamond drop stud earrings for two thousand three hundred and twenty-five. Let's go back to the backpacks packed with things for people in need. Uh, I'm right. really curious. And what's hopefully, in those. there's twenty-three hundred dollar uh, uh, earrings in those because that's I'm a great really idea. Really curious about that. See, it doesn't say anything because the got to click on them. Well, this is the this is the uh, the group that is doing this is state, I guess. Give back pack and i'll have to go in and figure out what it is that they give but fanny packs for 115 bucks oh, lord fanny pack 115 bucks make sure that you give a kid a need a fanny pack did anyone else feel like they were Jesus. in like um 
sex ed class and their dad was teaching it just like five minutes ago. Because that's totally <laughs> that's why I told him to read it. That's totally what I felt like, and it was great. Oh. Thanks, Dad. Thanks, Dad. You guys are making me feel bad. Swamp Wash. When we come back, we're going to go live to DC talk to with Stephanie Ramos about what we can expect tonight at the State of the Union. We are just hours away. Oye, oye, oye. Do they say that now? The President of the United States. I thought that was just for the Supreme Court. I don't know. Oh. I don't remember. Right. Mr. Speaker. All right. Drain the swamp. We're going to drain the swamp of Washington. We're going to have fun doing it. We're all doing it together. Watch. Gary and Shannon. Hey, the uh, top of next hour, we're going to be talking about what really happened with that emergency missile alert in Hawaii early one Saturday morning. We're getting some more details about exactly what the guy was trying to do when he pushed the button and sent everybody into a panic for a good 45 minutes. But tonight... The big deal is the State of the Union address held before a joint session of Congress as called for by the Constitution. You'll hear it live right here on KFI starting at 6 o'clock tonight. Stephanie Ramos is on Capitol Hill. Capitol Hill. Capitol Hill. Covering it all for us. What can we expect, (laughs) Stephanie? That totally works. Um, Well, from the president tonight, uh, we understand that the theme of his speech is, quote, building a safe, strong, and proud America. So we're expecting the president to sound unifying and optimistic, uh, which we heard a year ago when the president made his uh, joint address to Congress last year uh, in the House chamber. Um, But, of course, this is the official, the, the State of the Union, but a lot here on Capitol Hill, a lot of lawmakers here on Capitol Hill are skeptical that this will be just another show and the president will get right back to tweeting insults tomorrow. But (laughs) regardless of that, they are hoping to... To also to, to echo that sentiment of, of of unity, we understand that some lawmakers, some female lawmakers, will be wearing black, and and others to to making a stand for for the dreamers, and then others will be um, also wearing um, color coordinating with with different with the with the opposite party. It basically, a a symbolic gesture uh, that several members of the house. Uh, well, the House Problem Solvers Caucus have agreed to uh, to doing tonight. So um, we'll see what happens. But but again, the president um, expected to to talk about unity and and being optimistic moving into 2018. And probably sticking to the script, right? I mean, that's one of the the hallmarks of the bigger addresses that this president gives. Is he doesn't go off on the freewheeling uh, Trumpisms that we've heard before. Absolutely. We can expect him to stick to the script, stick to the teleprompter. Uh, we, we know that he's – well, we, we got a background briefing on what he will be talking about tonight, um, and that includes his um, infrastructure, a trillion-dollar bill, the economy, uh, the accomplishments that his administration have, has been able to, um, to do um, in this year. Also, immigration and trade and national security, so all really, really big issues – we also understand that he um, – we don't get the impression that he will touch on the Russia investigation at all, which is probably a smart idea. Um, but he's walking into Congress, uh, walking into to the House chamber with, with a very interesting 
backdrop of issues. You know, we just we just came off of a government shutdown, and just in another, in another week we may see another one if a deal on immigration is not made by next week. Also, the deputy FBI director just resigned. The ongoing Russia meddling investigation. So there's a lot going on, and it's um and. and, and and it's, it's what lawmakers have been discussing for this past year. A lot of them have been very vocal about it and have had disagreed on it. So everybody will be in the same room tonight to Stephanie, talk about it. You know, I was thinking about this, and, I, you know, we were talking about the economy being a main centerpiece and, and how businesses have already talked about uh, giving back to employees after this tax reform was pushed through and, mm-hmm. and approved. And, uh, and, there are some victory laps absolutely to be taken, but the his approval numbers remain pretty low in the 30s, I think. Does he comment about that ever? Does he respond to that? Does it bother him? Any indication of that? He has talked a little bit about that. I mean, that's fake news, according to the okay. administration. <laughs> you know, they've got their own uh, polls, and, you know, if you check on Fox News, they'll, they'll have different results, but um, that's pretty much the extent of it. I mean, we know, obviously, there's been a lot of... Um there's been a lot of disagreement on, on Capitol Hill with, between Democrats and Republicans. We know a lot of uh, Democrats are making a stand tonight, not just by, by wearing um, a certain color, but a lot of them, uh, we know um, a lot of Democrats will be bringing dreamers in um, to, to, you know, bring bring these, these, the, these young people who are affected by um, – directly affected by Congress, bringing them here and putting them face-to-face with the president. Um, So, you know, we understand that, you know, every lawmaker obviously has an opportunity to invite someone to represent a certain policy issue. So we will see a lot of that tonight. We can expect that tonight. Excellent. Stephanie, thank you. All right. Thanks for having me. Uh, To that end, by the way, in terms of the number of people, the guests that are there, we've kind of gone through some of the ones the president will have there And Stephanie there mentioned some of the other lawmakers that are bringing guests. One of them that caught my eye, a lot of them DACA recipients, by the way, Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals. Um, One of them is Aldo Solano, a DACA recipient policy director at the Oregon Latino Health Coalition. Now, what's interesting to me about this is he was invited by Congressman Earl Blumenauer of Oregon. A congressman who has decided that he will not be attending the speech tonight. So he's not going, but he did give a ticket to a guy who will be going. Hmm. Seriously. Coming up next, there is a secret memo that is all the buzz in Washington. This is a memo that Devin Nunez has been trying to force out, of course, out of the House Select Intelligence Committee. The committee voted to declassify the memo. What is the big deal? Well, apparently in this memo, there could be proof that the... Stuff that the FBI and the Justice Department used to get a warrant to investigate the president's campaign was stuff from a dossier that was worked up by the DNC. All that is coming up next. Gary and Shannon will continue. Shannon. Joe Kennedy the third will be doing the rebuttal, if you will. He's a congressman in Massachusetts. He's 37. And this may be a rising star for the Democrats. We will see tonight. It might be the one, the rising star. Um, 
A, a bunch of other people are also putting together rebuttals, although not officially with the Democratic Party. I think Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders are doing rebuttals in some to some degree. Um, but his is the official uh, one that we expect to see. Hey, Chris Christie news that we haven't heard from in a while. I guess uh, this morning on Good Morning America, ABC officially announced the hiring of former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie as a guy who will be an occasional contributor now to the network. My first reaction to this was, oh, my gosh, can't we hire uh, reporters? Can't we hire journalists at ABC News and not, you know, the Sean Spicers of the world? And then I'm thinking... Well, Chris Christie has a lot to offer when you think about his past as a state prosecutor. He's not a dumb guy. He's fun to watch. I think he's a federal prosecutor. He's a, federal, a federal prosecutor. He's, uh, he's articulate. He's likable. Huh. He's relatable, I mean, at least in the way he speaks. He talked today uh, on Good Morning America about the uh, the investigation and whether or not Robert Mueller should sit down with President Trump. You know President Trump. You know Robert Mueller. What does the president have to fear from Robert Mueller? Robert Mueller is not someone to be trifled with, and he's not someone who takes um, lightly the words of anybody who he's looking at. And so what I've said all along is that in an investigation like this, there's lots of things. There's nothing you can do to make it shorter. There's lots of things you can do to make it longer. Very interesting. All right. uh, So one of the issues that's going on in D.C. today, of course, is the fight over Congressman Devin Nunez's secret memo. Yeah, there's talk that in this memo, there's proof that the FBI and the Justice Department used some, uh, I guess you could say, shoddy information found in this dossier that the DNC commissioned. Aaron Katursky is uh, following this story. Uh, who wants to see this thing released? And if they do get it, when will you and I see it? Well, we could see it uh, in the next several days. The uh, The White House has um, now five days to intervene or else the, the memo becomes public based on a House vote along party lines. And if the, the White House wants this released, if the president wants it released, then uh, I think we'll see it in, in relatively short order. Um, the Democrats would tell you that it needs to be viewed with their notes or at least their perspective because it's just kind of uh, hand-picked and not necessarily the complete picture. They've They've offered their own version of the memo, have they not? Well, they'd have, except uh, the, uh, the the Intelligence Committee has not opted to, to pick that up uh, and, and release it with the same degree of intensity that they made their own version. And so um, the only thing that is on the table for public release at this stage uh, and has been declassified for public release at this stage is the Republican version. Even if the memo is released and there is information in there that could prove that the FBI and the Justice Department did use some information from this dossier, uh, it doesn't make up the entirety of the information that the Justice Department used to get the warrant to look into the campaign, right? That's right. And that's part of the reason um, why Democrats say that this is just a political hatchet job, that there is no, um, you know, that th- there's not a complete picture being presented here. Um, it's also why some say we don't need to put this out for public consumption because it will um, reveal some of our sources and methods for how we try to justify some of our surveillance and what we're looking at. And, and that could, could get into areas that we don't want the public to see. Um, although, interestingly, after making that argument and the Justice Department saying that this would be a reckless memo to put out there, today they, they backed off. Uh, and they, they said that Christopher Ray, the FBI director, has now seen the memo, been able to read it, 
and 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 when asked whether the Justice Department still believes that the memo um, should not be released, the, uh, the the spokeswoman declined to comment. Interesting. Uh, so now this is in the court uh, in the White House's court, is it not? That's right. Uh, the, the the memo is is somewhere in the White House, uh, and it's up to the president really to decide whether to intervene and and stop uh, publication. Uh, otherwise, we expect that within the next couple of days we should have a look at this and 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 see what it see what it says. But it does appear to be a rather unusual uh, congressional attack on senior leaders of, of the Justice Department of the FBI, and I suppose it depends on your politics whether that attack is justified. Aaron Kaczerski, thanks so much. Appreciate it. Good stuff. Thank you. All Come right, in. coming up next, we've got some breaking news out of Hawaii. Some firings. Some heads have rolled over oh. this fake missile alert that was sent out. Alex Stone will join us with the very latest. I got my We are going to get to the 2018 version of the fight between Fred Goldman and O.J. Simpson. But first, breaking news out of Hawaii, where that mistaken missile alert has now cost a couple people their jobs. Alex Stone has been uh, helping us cover this story and uh, has spent the last three weeks in Hawaii. Is that right? (laughs) I wish. Oh, Maybe not. Uh, uh, the island of Los Angeles. Ah, I see. So what's going on? We know that uh, we're getting a little bit more detail specifically about what happened early that Saturday morning. Yeah. You know, right now, uh, emergency officials in Hawaii, they are holding a briefing. And this backs up what the FCC put out earlier today in a preliminary report that they've compiled. And uh, bottom line, it's not what this initially appeared to be. You know, the governor came out initially and said, well, this was all a mistake, that uh, that a worker hit the wrong button, it was the wrong icon, that, that the worker hit on his computer screen, and oops, we didn't mean for it to happen. Well, it turns out, no, it wasn't a mistake at all that this worker meant to do it, but thought that there was a real threat. But it was a drill that was underway, but thought and got confused by that drill and sent it out thinking there was a missile heading toward Hawaii. This is one of those things where it should terrify everyone that it's this simple to get a message like this out. But it should also terrify everybody that in the event that there is an emergency, we're adding layers of bureaucracy before, in fact, a real emergency message could get out. Yeah, it was fairly simple to send this thing out. It was uh, uh, like going to your email and opening it up and uh, just deciding that you wanted to send it out from there. Now they are adding almost like a missile launch itself that multiple people will have to sign off on it before it can actually go out. They've learned other lessons out of this of, one, what their drills need to be like. They say there were five other people in that room who heard exercise, exercise, exercise. But this employee who now has been fired – uh, you know, there were a lot of calls for uh, for him to go. Well, now he is gone. That this employee has been confused previously when they've gone through exercises, oh, not boy. understanding what was going on, <laughs> uh, and apparently got confused in this case and thought, there's a missile coming, and fired this thing off, and nobody else had to sign off on it. But there was no way to pull it back, and, and that's the other big part of this, that once they sent it out, it took them 38 minutes 
to stop the panic in Hawaii because they had no way to say, oops, nah, you're good, you're not going to die, everything's good, that they had no way to send out a follow-up. They had to download that app. It all came down to an app to be able to send out a follow-up message. Uh, and now they have that app, they have the service ready to go, and they say if it were to happen again, which they hope it won't, but if it were to happen again, that they would now be able to send out a follow-up message and say, forget about it. Or if it were real, they could send out a follow-up message and say, here's what you need to know. That's the other concern. Had this been real, they sent out one message, the initial alert, but they had no way then to, to follow it up with more information. They say they've learned by it. Also, the head of Hawaii's Office of Emergency Services is now out. He has resigned. Uh, as of today, as of immediately, as of a few minutes ago, uh, he no longer is going to run the Office of Emergency Services. I would assume that Pacific Command is real pissed off about this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there, were, there was a lot of finger pointing on that Saturday. You know, the White House was pointing the finger at the state. The state was pointing fingers at, at other folks, and, and it went back and forth. But, I mean, it really looks like now that this was just pure confusion on the part of, of one person. And beyond the guy who's been fired now, the confused guy, uh, the head of the Office of Emergency Services who has resigned, uh, another employee has been suspended without pay, and a fourth has uh, resigned before being penalized. So you've got all of these people who are now impacted by this, who have been penalized by this, but uh, the state says that, that they felt like it needed to be done, uh, especially because that one employee who got confused, they say he froze, had a, a history of these problems, and that, that they got to make sure that's not who's sitting behind that computer to tell you whether you're about to die or not, that it can't be somebody who freaks out and, and gets confused and, and freezes, and so now they're changing all of the command structure inside that office. It's also amazing, the like you said, the vehicle by which they corrected the error took so long to download, so long to figure out, because it was very quickly, it was uh, 8.08, that a day shift warning officer got the false alarm on a mobile device. It was a minute later that the emergency management agency was able to tell the governor that this was a false alarm. So, I mean, within within moments of it being pushed out there on the EAS and on everyone's mobile, the governor knew it was a false alarm. Pacific yeah. Command knew it was a false alarm. Honolulu Police Department knew it was a false alarm. And then... They had no way to correct this thing for another 30 minutes or so. Yeah, and in the meantime, people were going into, if they had them, basements or storm shelters. Uh, visitors were running off the beaches and, and off the golf courses and getting into bathtubs. I mean, they thought this was a very serious life-and-death situation. You can understand why, thinking everything going on with North Korea and that there could be an inbound missile, as the alert said that there was. Now, the governor's office says, well, after a few minutes, we put up a message on the governor's Twitter feed to say, don't worry about it, it's okay. But these folks who got this push alert saying that they were about to die weren't then going on Twitter and finding the governor's Twitter message and finding his tweet saying, oh, never mind, it was just all one big mistake and we can come out of hiding, that most didn't know until that follow-up push alert came out to say that, that you're safe. All of that is part of this. They've installed a computer process now, they say, to, to rapidly issue that alert cancellation. They've got a checklist to, to standardize the process. They say it was a very loose process at the time of who could send these out, what they could say on them, uh, you know, what the whole procedure would be. Now it's very strict. And a lot of other states have learned from this. You know, a lot of states are saying, whew, thank God this wasn't us, that, that we're not having to deal with this because – a lot may have been in this same boat had an alert gone out like this that now others are following up as well.
Alex, thank you. Appreciate it. You got it. Thanks, guys. We come back. OJ's back in the news. Specifically, Fred Goldman and OJ are back in the news. Why it is that they have a $70 million wrongful death judgment. Some news on that judgment is coming up. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640. Gary and Shannon. thousand dollars to give away here's how we're going to do it your shot at one thousand dollars now text the keyword win to 200 200 you'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info standard data and messaging rates apply that's win to 200 200 well as long as fred goldman has blood running through his body he will be fighting oj simpson for every piece or any piece of a wrongful death settlement that's worth more than $70 million. One of the things that uh, that happened, I said the $70 million, like, where did it come from? I know exactly where the wrongful death lawsuit came from. The, the new version of this today, though, is that a judge yesterday, just yesterday, denied the latest bid by Goldman's family to get the financial restitution for the death of Ron Goldman. The judge said... That Fred Goldman couldn't say where O.J. Simpson was getting the money. That makes sense. If he's getting the money from selling autographs and things, that's clear where the money's coming from, isn't it? Oh, it's under the table. Oh. There's not really a paper trail or uh, tax documents, I would assume. Uh, There is still memorabilia that O.J. owns that he's got and has control over. And the lawyer for Fred Goldman and the family, David Cook, said, we want the memorabilia, but the judge is saying you need to tell me who's paying him. The um, the thing is, O.J. is still in denial about it, according to the lawyer, about the death of Ron Goldman and Nicole Brown Simpson. But his quote is, this thing eats and breathes and lives, and O.J. is still in denial about it. He's talking specifically about the wrongful death suit, which when it's not paid is uh, gains interest. I think the original judgment was $33.5 million, and it's up to seventy now. Yeah. Uh, if you peel back the celebrity, he's still in denial, and some money is better than no money, he says. Fred Goldman has been able to seize some of OJ's assets, uh, video game royalties, the rights to the book, If I Did It. Remember that one, that ghost-written book when Simpson tells how he might have killed Nicole and Ron Goldman? So weird. He was also able to acquire the memorabilia that uh, OJ claimed he was trying to take back when he led those men with the guns into that Vegas hotel room in 07, which landed him in prison. Um, he retitled the book, Fred Goldman did. He retitled it to Confessions of a Killer. Instead oh, did he? Of if I did it, because he has the rights now. He owns the control over the whole thing. Um, so what, I mean, what does the future look like for for? OJ. OJ's I mean, living his life. He's with his kids, at least one of his daughters. Uh, TMZ catches up to him every every so often. Uh, the last time I saw TMZ catch up to OJ was a couple of weeks ago when he was asking what uh, OJ thinks about Chloe's baby. Oh. 
I mean, it's just With, because freak some allegation that circus. he may have been Chloe's father, right? Uh. And he's like, "Oh, I didn't have anything to do with it. I wish her the best, but I didn't have anything to do with it." I mean, it's just really freak show circus stuff. Is this where do you come down on this though? Because uh, one of the lawyers, OJ's lawyer, said that that Fred Goldman and his attorney have attempted to drag OJ into court. Every time they hear a rumor, they see something on television or read in an Internet news posting, a mere vague allegation involving Mr. Simpson's commercial exploitation of himself. You think like they're do you think they're overreacting to this, that Fred Goldman is jumping at every opportunity and shouldn't? No, I think if my son was murdered, I would do that for as much as I could. I would uh, never I would try and never let the man who took my son's life away have peace. Forget it. You would never let him forget it. No. There, there's comments. Again, don't read internet comments because it's the most horrible cesspool of humanity you can imagine. But some people are saying that Fred Goldman has has simply distilled his son's life down to money. No. That's not what he's Fred doing. Fred Goldman's life was over in 1994. Four, yeah. That's when his life became all about making OJ pay. And it has nothing to do with money. He wants O.J. to admit what he's done, accept some sort of wrongdoing, any sort of culpability. And it's frustrating to him that 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 hasn't happened and that O.J. continues to live a life of celebrity, really. And his son never got that life. His son was just starting out. And as soon as trying to be an actor, I think he was or a model. um, I'm not sure. I mean, he was like early 20s. Living in L.A. In Every, so the answer is yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that's a strange. I, I don't know what the next judgment would be in Fred Goldman's it, on, uh, on long, his behalf. As long as Fred Goldman's alive, he's going to come up with something creatively and there will be lawyers that take up that case every day. All right. One of the things going on this weekend is Super Bowl. When we come back, our own Neil Savager is going to join us and talk about how to get things ready For your Super Bowl party coming up on Sunday, some must-have foods for your Super Bowl party. And the new status symbol. What goes on in your kitchen that is the new status symbol that we're going to be looking for? Hmm. Do you know what it is? Uh, No. It's skin hanging off of your cheese grater. No. What kind of skin? Human's knuckle. (laughs) Human knuckle skin. Well, those cheese graters can get a little bit aggressive when you're, you know, grating cheese. (laughs) It's an inanimate object. Well, if you're down to the very end of your That's cheese. That's when you go, oh, and you eat the rest of it. Oh. Have That's you a never good learned? Tip. That's a good tip. All right. All of that coming up with Neil Savager, the Fork Reporter, when we continue with Gary and Shannon. Hey, Oscar. Yes, Shannon. What is the best pancake topping? I'm not sure what is the best topping. More pancakes? <laughs> Let me teach you how to eat. Let me teach you how to eat. How to marinate the meat. Let me teach you how to eat. Gary and Shannon. It's a KFI AM 640. Well, it is Tuesday. 130. We say hello to our friend, Neil Savedra. Our hi, Neil Savedra. No, 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 no. No, we say hi to Neil oh. Savedra. You are Neil Savedra. Wow. Such responsibility. I know. Isn't Man. it? 
The weight of the world on my shoulders. I got into a, a plate of pancakes at IHOP over the weekend. Oh, good night. <laughs> oh, Isn't Nelly. that like a space? Like, you, you oh. go, oh, this is going to, you know, I shouldn't be doing And then you do it and you go, this is the, oh. this is this was the right decision. Yes. Yeah. My favorite part of the pancake is the middle where the, the center, butter where the is. The butter has been sitting and, and marinating. And also the edges. Oh, yeah. So, Ooh, you, yeah, that's I good. really celebrate the whole pancake. You know, I'll give you a strange tip uh, for pancakes if you like them cut up. A lot of people yes, like yeah. I cut them up. If you cut them up, use a, uh, use a pizza wheel, a little pizza <gasps> cutter. Just go whap, 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 and get them all into perfect squares. I have a, an extra large pizza cutter <laughs> She's for stuff like that. But Wait, why do you need an extra large one? It's just uh, for deeper dish pizza. Oh, okay. Just, uh, yeah. Taller. Yeah. It it's got a bigger taller. wheel. Got it. But, uh, yeah, you can cut that up, and you can just boop, boop, boop. Mm. You got kids, you set them up, and they'd be like, wow, you're like a genius mom and or dad and or uncle who lives here. <laughs> well, I don't know what the family situation is. I was trying to cover all the bases. Smart. Uh, let's talk. Let's talk first about these kitchens and the new status symbol. We'll get into the Super Bowl foods here in a second because sure. I think it's important but as well. but. Colorful kitchens as the new status symbol. Can you explain this? You know what's weird Colorful about this is kitchens. I have been slowly and calmly negotiating with my wife for years on this because I want a Mexican kitchen. And Mexican kitchens are very colorful. They're very bright. There's a lot of uh, color that goes boom right in your face. Our kitchen used uh, to be yellow. Yeah, that's what I want to do. I want to do yellow. Uh, you know, Ours was yellow growing up. Yeah. And... Loved it. Here in the States, we kind of go more with stainless steel and white. Um, that's changed to gray uh, and different shades of gray and or blue. And, and and really, it denotes cleanliness. I mean, it's like a hospital. You don't you want it to look clean because you're going to be eating. Yeah. There. Nobody wants to hide the dirt. Yeah. So but a lot. But in Italy and Mexico, in many other places around the world, they're very colorful in their kitchens. And there's a certain pride that goes with um, dings and dents. Like this is a used working kitchen. And we try and keep everything pristine. Uh, and, you know, I've had this conversation back and forth with my wife. We have, um, you know, uh, basically butcher board for countertops. And yet ours are sealed. Where So you don't really use them as butcher board. You look at them and, and they're just beautiful to look at. But you, you're, not using, you're not working on them like you would if they were oiled and you can really go in there and take them to task. But a lot of people are doing that and, and letting the, the nicks and scratches and everything else and say, hey, this is a working kitchen. And, you know, Dean Sharp says, and I love this, he said, the first thing you should think about when you're designing your kitchen is do you cook? That's the first thing. You have to learn to cook first because um, I was at uh, Friedman's in, in Long Beach, Friedman's uh, home experience yesterday in Long Beach. And I was looking at this beautiful 48-inch um, uh, oven and range, and it's just just gorgeous. And he, I go, this this I would love to have this in my house. He goes, most people that put this in their house don't even use it because it just looks it's really nice. status symbols. So the combination of color... And the combination, you know, having a bright uh, kitchen and a worn kitchen are as is kind of the status symbol. And you go on, I, and this, you know, Italians. Who's once worried again, about what somebody thinks of their 
kitchen and what that means about them. <laughs> I don't. Like, I don't know. Like when I have people <laughs> yeah, over, who would, <laughs> I know. I mean, Stupid. I don't really care what anyone thinks. Idiot. I mean, Mike. I mean, I like. I appreciate like a nice kitchen, but I don't go into someone's kitchen and go, "Oh, it's colorful. That means that this person is." No, but we're sh- it's weird. We're shy. We kind of get in these ruts as to what is normal or what. But you know, you look at these colored enamel uh, ovens and stuff like Blue Star or Heston or uh, Bertazzoni. These uh, places, uh, Italian, and they're bright and they're vibrant. And then you get here. And when we were growing up, it was probably avocado green, right? Maybe or, you know, or maybe that, the golden rod. Yeah, the, yeah, that mustardy. Yeah. And then, and then it went to stainless steel, which is you know works with everything. It's gorgeous, um, and there's just like this kind of hey, your personality should fit in there too. Everybody kind of just makes it right. It should be you. That's yeah, what I'm getting exactly. at. Like I want my kitchen to be for me. I don't want it to be for you, who's coming. You know, uh, you know, just because you like my range, I want to like my range. Yeah, and I, you know, I had this conversa- conversation. I don't like my with, range, by the way. Right now, I got a I don't lot of rage anger because. Uh, all of the 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 markings mm-hmm. about like what high low which burner they've all been worn off. Oh, that's the worst. So you just have to kind of remember which one is. That's for... the worst. Yeah, it's pretty bad, and I don't know what to do. I don't know whether to are they painted are... on the face or are they on the knob? They're on the face. Oh, okay. Sometimes you can have them resurfaced. Yeah. Um, also, there's sometimes there's an uh, an add on. It's like uh, usually made out of aluminum or something with a, an adhesive back that can go on. As well, yeah, um, and things like that that you can just get set. a sharpie. You're, you're, I hear I the words, yeah. I, just... I I hear the words coming out of your mouth, but your eyes say to me, "You're screwed, and you should just get a new range." Well, <laughs> that's what your I, eyes are telling me. Any excuse to get a new. I'm looking at a new range and a new fridge right now, yeah. so I'm in that mode. So I'm like kind of shopping for you and me yeah. right now. <laughs> like I'm like, oh, you need something? Well, let's talk. <laughs> but it, this is, I mean, just this idea of colorful kitchens as the new status symbol. This is. Design, whether it's the kitchen or any part of your house, it changes. I mean, it's going to come and go. That's the thing. That's the thing. You get in moods about what you want. We went through this process of, uh, I know this has nothing to do with cooking, but doorknobs. And we went with, you know, I think it's. Didn't you guys have a, uh, you and your wife actually had a difference of opinion on the color of the knob, right? Yes. From what I remember. Right. Mm-hmm. I said antique bronze and she said black. And I said, but everything else we have that's interesting is antique bronze. And then she, that like she showed I ordered and that she showed me the next day black is the new antique bronze. So, yeah. And it, and you and then it's hard to go back. And then you... in 10 years, you'll realize that the reverse is true. No, I get yeah, far the, away. They look black based anyway. on I, I this is my rule. And I, I talk with Dean about this all the time. If anyone else can walk in and move into my house immediately, then it's not enough me and my wife. Totally. I want people to go, oh, God, I wouldn't do that because that means it's it's ours. Interesting. We have, you know, we have a robotic chimp bust on our fire. This is why, mantle. Gary, That's... I think you should put in that special <laughs> cheese refrigerator into the island of your home because it's you. Gary likes his fridge. cheddar so oh. so sharp he so... can actually cut the cheddar with itself. Yeah, and chilled. He likes it very, very cold. They have stuff like that. A cheese, cu- they a have, cheese cooler? They yeah. have these special coolers that are designed uh, that you can program to either be a freezer or refrigerator or a chiller for different um, products. And it's like a drawer. 
that you pull out. It'll be in the center uh, or can be, you know, uh, it's built in. And you can program it for different things. And if you wanted it just to be your your cheese cellar, oh. it could be your cheese Gary, cellar. Gary's cheese cellar. And we could get like a sign for it. Wow. I feel like that might happen if you ever no. leave radio. Yeah. Hi, welcome to Gary's <laughs> cheese cellar. I'm Gary. <laughs> I sell cheese, but that's a different cell. When we come back, uh, some must-have foods oh for this God. weekend's big football that's game. totally your retirement. You want to hear me do the queen? Hello. I like cheese as well. Gary and Shannon will continue. Hear ye, hear ye. Neil Saavedra has joined us. More food stuff when we come back. And even when your hope is gone, move along, move along, just to make it through. When all you gotta keep is Gary and Shannon. Gary's cheese cellar is a hit, man. Heather wrote to us at Gary and Shannon on Twitter. You should make sure it's a say Gary's cheese cellar. Raise money for charity. Randy Wait, says what? Randy yeah, but- says Gary's cheese cellar has to be a new promo for your show. I was laughing so hard it was hard to drive straight. <laughs> wow, you made a guy gay. No, you did. No, he made oh, you drive forward. Like straight down the okay. road. Oh. Yeah. I, I'm telling you, you should have. trademark I've that never. right now. Gary's cheese cellar. Well, you got to do it with the voice, though. <laughs> Come on in. Uh, Neil Savager has joined us, the uh, fork reporter. Uh, <laughs> hey, have a good day. <laughs> so Don't cute. let the funk stop you. <laughs> oh, um, my God. All right. Hey, so Super Bowl on on Sunday. Everybody's what? having uh, food on Super Bowl. It's a what football a, game. Yeah. What do you... Yeah. Uh, what do you suggest? What's your favorite, like, sit down, watch a game, or bringing people over? To share. Snacky food. Because I'd say nachos if it was, like, my husband and I were just sitting there picking through nachos. But when you've got a whole group of people, you don't want their hands all over. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, that nachos is a great idea until someone invites Handle over. It's like, oh. oh. Yeah, you know what? There's a whole new recipe book for what you can serve when Handle's over. Stuff. Everything Just has lunchables. to be individual. Everything yeah. has to be lunchables, <laughs> and that's all. Uh, Everybody in a hazmat suit. Well, let me ask you this. There's a, there's a list that I have in front of me that says that shrimp cocktail is on the list. Yeah. I've never... I don't like the idea of shrimp sitting there for a couple of hours. Well, what we do is we put it... Um, yeah, you, you put, put a ice bowl underneath. of ice... Uh, and then you put it on top of it, and we have it for all uh, Christmas and Thanksgiving, and all. I, all I gotta that tell stuff. you, I like it. I think it's a, a great combination. And if you can get a container, they actually make uh, little serving trays that have the ice underneath it, or you can double bowl, uh, bowl it. Yeah, and keep that keep it chilled, and and your your gold. You come your your mom keeps a turkey on, like the that's a different the dryer. That's not seafood. That's different. It's not. It's poultry, and it, she keeps she cooks the turkey and then leaves it there. Yeah, for the elements to take apart for uh-huh. hours. Right from what your wife spilled the beans on. Oh, and then you reheat it and kill everything that might have grown upon it. It's not the way it works, no. man. It's, it worked for me for years. It's not the way. Yeah. Well, you have some weird. I don't know. Let's not judge family customs. This is a safe space. Oh, so there's something dark in your past, too, huh? You don't put ice underneath them. (laughs) (laughs) 
Here's uh, you just lie. You got caught. Jalapeno poppers are are a great option. I have a question. How do you make the jalapeno poppers and wrap them in bacon that's crispy? Or is there a way? Is there some secret that really? I the only the when you're dealing with bacon in in a wrapped around something like that, the bacon either has to be partially cooked if you want it to be crisp that way, or you have to hit it with a lot of heat at the very end. So once you're done cooking it, um, you put it uh, under a broiler or you put it on high heat to crisp the outside. Can I get one of those uh, torches and and flame it like a creme brulee or something like that (laughs) just to crisp it up a little bit? Yes. Because I saw, I mean, it was great. The the jalapeno poppers I had a couple of weekends ago were fantastic. There was also an option wrapped in salami. Like a spicy, Ooh. I'm sorry, not salami, pepperoni. It was a slight, a spicy same pepperoni. Same. I mean, you're going to get a so good. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of a lot of different things you can do with those combinations. But the spicy, cheesy, bready, gooey is is always going to win. I mean, as Shannon was talking about, if you don't know, you know how clean someone's hands are, you may not want to go down the nacho route. But nachos is a really great fun combination. And you can do those things separately. You, you can, can. You can yeah. do little – there's all kinds of little – whether it's a um, ramekin or there's little dishes that you can put them in and do single serving. Or you could just put tongs there and little plates and then people yeah, could – Yeah, you're going to trust people with the tongs. Yeah, I was going to huh? say, tongs is a lot – tongs is an, uh, is an assumption. Yeah. Like you, you ever been to a salad bar? Come on. Okay, now. if I go to your house you, – you're, you're, And I totally agree with you. You would use tongs. Yes. If I put them out, you would you use would them. You would know if they were out next to the nachos to use the tongs. Not everybody. Everybody believes that is a is a suggestion to use the tongs. Some people see it as, oh, look, they employ handicapped people here, so only the handicapped people use tongs. You're, I sw- I am not kidding you. That's what some people believe. You're banking on the etiquette of people that are willing to argue that if more than five chips stick to the same cheese, that it's one nacho. Like they will argue that that's one nacho, bro. That is one serving. Whatever sticks to it is one serving. So I don't know if, if tongs are going to work. But, um, it, yeah, the, the, the basics for What your, if you put a sign that says <laughs> use tongs you're or a party get the pooper hell out? Oh, you, you, will oh, really? be, you will be the laughing stock of your little, uh, your little event. Oh, interesting. Your little. You're right. You're right. Yeah. You're right. It's I wouldn't do that. Uh, and then pizza is the number one uh, they have on the list. But. I just don't like – I don't trust the idea of ordering pizza on Super Bowl Sunday. Hey, I, I actually got a great tip for you, by the way. It, uh, our friends at Fresh Brothers, if you order, whether it's their pizza, whether it's their sliders, their chicken or meatball sliders or salads, whatever, if you order it before the 3rd, before February 3rd or by February 3rd, they'll give you 10% off. And you're booked and you're and you're good at oh. – just set up a time and – yeah. So uh, you call a Fresh Brothers, there's like 12 of them here in L.A., and there's five in Orange County. So that's a good thing to do because I, I, there's some people that leave it to the end, and if it's something popular like pizza, you're screwed. So go to Fresh Brothers uh, just before or buy the, the third, and they'll take care of you 10% off. Or just steal all the stuff from church that morning, the little red drink and a donut or two. No? That's that, a party. Steal there are from these crack- church. These crackers aren't salty. <laughs> And there's not enough grape juice to go yeah. around. John, welcome to Tasty Tuesday. <sighs> yeah. All right. What are uh, you going to do for Super Bowl? Watch it. Uh, <laughs> what's there to do? You're not going to have any festivities. 
Uh, we always go over somebody else's house every year. Okay. So it's easy. I just sit on the couch and drink. Perfect. Yeah. And then go home and your house is still clean. And you didn't have anything to worry about. Right. I don't know. Man, it's, somebody else started a tradition, so. The weird thing That's is, what is I do. John right. stands for the national anthem, but kneels for the commercials. It's different. <laughs> you know, I never, right. I never watch the commercials. No, I don't either. I, I don't. I well, don't. Because everyone's I've never talking understood. anyway. I've never understood. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of people at this party, so it's really noisy, and uh, I just, I, you can't hear anything. So I, I really don't understand people getting excited over commercials because I don't want to see any of them. I just want to see the game, so that's I a huge interruption. I, yeah. I, when I watch television now, I, it's an automatic tune-out for commercials. I don't yeah. hear them. I don't see no, them. I don't either. I start reading, and then when they're over, I look up yeah. and keep watching. When you talk about bloody gums and pussy gums on a Dr. Cunning commercial, yeah. I tell everybody to shush. <laughs> so stop. <laughs> I got to hear this one. It's a race or something. Yeah. Most TV commercials don't have that. Yeah, what well, do you yeah, guys yeah. have coming up today? Well, um... The uh, businesses, and there are a lot of businesses around Skid Row, say there's three to five fires a day there. Fires? Fires, yes. There's hundreds of fires a year at Skid Row. We're going to talk to a guy whose business burned because some homeless guy got into an argument with a prostitute and burned a tent, and then the tent burned the business. So he's going to come on in a half hour. All right. Just another Tuesday. (laughs) That's that's our tasty Tuesday. (laughs) John and Ken up next. We'll see you tomorrow. Stay dry, everybody.